Thursday edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. An off night for the Toronto Raptors last night, but a full slate of action in the NBA. Well, close to a full slate with nine games uh, going last night. And another off night for the Raptors tonight as they get set for a back-to-back Friday, Saturday. They will be in Detroit tomorrow to face the Pistons and then get set for the Milwaukee Bucks on Saturday night on the back-to-back. And Milwaukee will certainly be looking for revenge after the Raptors took it to the Bucks less than two weeks ago in their own joint. So uh, I don't know if they can get too straight in that building, Jonesy, but it will certainly, certainly be fun to watch on Saturday night. We will have that broadcast for folks right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Uh, but again, before that, coming on Friday night, tomorrow, the game against the Detroit Pistons. But I, you know, before we look back to some of the other games around the association last night, got to mention, we have to mention, just quickly at least, I don't know how long we're going to spend on this, but the, the battle rages on. Even though, even though Devin Booker said that they're cool, that they hashed it out after the game, Devin Booker now changes his profile picture to like a, a, a screen grab of the Raptor in the corner at Scotiabank Arena when he was banished to the corner the other night. And then the Raptor follows up by changing his profile picture to him jumping in the air. The act that Booker thought was was so egregious that would have him have security banish the Raptors to said corner. Honestly, as much as I joke tongue-in-cheek, open up Twitter. If any of you are on social media, I know many of you are, this is like making the rounds in the NBA. It's all over ESPN. It's all over all the top you know, websites and Instagram handles and social media and whatnot. The Raptor and Devin Booker is like the one of the greatest rivalries currently in the NBA, let alone all time. I saw one meme that was posted with like a picture of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and and uh, and like some of the all-time great rivals around the association. And in the bottom corner of the picture was a shot of Devin Booker and the Raptor. Like it's it's really making a lot of rounds still, Jonesy. It's it's out of control. It's out of control. That's all I can say. It's it's, uh, and all of this because there was an empty arena in Toronto. We had an empty arena that we that we broadcast. If that if that was, if that was, the usual nineteen eight, at Scotiabank Arena, and some guy happened to like our man Superfan used to do, uh, throw his towel in the air or, I mean the Raptor is done. Uh, in the past, much more, uh, you know, as you would say, egregious uh, acts when it comes to trying to distract free throw shooters. One of my favorite is the one that where he dresses up in the trench coat and then pretends to 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 flash like uh, him in his bathing suit or the raptor in the bathing suit. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. You know, think about people with thunder sticks at that end of the court. And because it's empty and that one jump that was kind of in your sight line, uh, it's crazy. I got to, I got to, I got to, this is how far it's gone, Eric. I have a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine. He's a, uh, he's a professor at a college, at a small college, Maryville College in Tennessee. Um, We are really, really good friends. I met him, uh, you know, my my whole thing about sports, bringing people together. I met him at the University of Western Ontario uh, playing basketball. I was playing some pickup basketball when I was coaching the team. And this this uh, this guy that looked totally unathletic but really knew how to play. And we had played a game together and, and we won. 
And he started talking. I said, oh, boy, you're not from around here. He had this deep southern drawl. And he was from a small town in Kentucky, Middlesbrough or something like that. We became really close friends. He was the first guy to uh, tell me about Charles Barkley in in 1982 he said i'm going to rup this weekend i'm going home to rup this weekend and, and even to this date the guy's in his you know the guy's in his 60s and he's, a, he's still a huge big blue fan and and he says i'm going home to rup and and uh i didn't know if you wanted to come this weekend i said no i i can't maybe the next time he said well uh sure next weekend will be good they're playing auburn and auburn has this guy named this kid named charles barkley He's like a moving van in a ba- on a basketball court. I'm like, really? He goes, oh, you got to see this kid. So this Paul Threadgill is his name. He and I have become very tight friends. I get an email yesterday morning from him, Devin Booker versus the Raptor. And, of course, Devin Booker is a <laughs> Kentucky guy, right? Mm-hmm. He goes, the Red will never win out over Big Blue. I'm like, dude, it's an NBA player against a mascot. A mascot. <laughs> <laughs> So this is this is the length to which this thing has gone. Well, and and Benny the Bull, did you see what happened in Chicago last night? We're going to talk to Chuck Swirsky in a few minutes' time about that game last night between the Bulls and Nets. But did you see what happened with Benny the Bull? No, I didn't see that one. Okay, I I, I just retweeted it, and I'm not. It's not even meant as a cheap plug for for anybody listening. But if if you want to search it out, even if you don't go through my handle, so Benny <laughs> Benny the Bull uh, at one point. Um, I don't know, in a timeout or halftime or something. But he's doing a half-court shot. And he's doing a one-handed half-court shot. He hits it on his first try. And as the camera zooms in from center court to the baseline, and the, it's packed crowd at the United Center, he's got some dude dressed up in an inflatable Raptor mascot. or Sorry, an inflatable mascot. Oh, can't speak today. An inflatable... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Costume. <laughs> Jeez. Costume. And... And it's you know it's one of those inflatables that we've seen at times in other arenas around the league when they're trying to make fun of the Raptors and whatnot or when they're playing the Raptors. You know it used to be that they would have somebody in a purple outfit and, and play the Barney the Dinosaur uh, uh, music or whatever. Now we seem to get those those Raptor inflatable costumes probably from the Jurassic Park movies that are fairly easy to find online. In fact, I know my own kid had one at one point and dressed up years ago for Halloween as one of these these things. But anyways, Benny the Bull hits the one-handed, over-the-shoulder, half-court shot, zoom in, there's the Raptor, and he posts on Twitter. It's got 115,000 views already. And Benny the Bull on his Twitter handle saying, can somebody please move this Raptor? I almost didn't make my half-court shot on the first try. And then he's got the eye roll emoji beside it. Like, clearly, clearly just trolling Devin Booker. The dude hits a one-handed, behind-the-back, over-the-shoulder, half-court shot with 20,000 people there. And sure enough, a Raptor inflatable and saying, hey, man, come on, Devin Booker. If I can hit a half-court shot, you tell me you can't hit a free throw? Like, it is hilarious how this thing has just spun out of control, and at least people are having fun with it because it is, at the end of the day, and we don't have to talk much more about it, it's a real bad look for Devin Booker. Like, it's a real bad look. Uh, just because of the, 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 what, what regular circumstances would be, Eric, the fact, as we said. that Well, you just said it, right? Thunder sticks and everything else, and you can't yeah. take one dude in a fuzzy outfit jumping up and down? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And heck, I, at the end I, of the day, you won the game. And, 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 you know, my buddy said this. He goes, it's much more dangerous in Starkville, like where they, you know, they play Mississippi or Mississippi State or Oxford or wherever. And, and so, 
uh, yeah, this is. Um, I wonder if I wonder if the NBA is going to say something about this. Um, you know what I mean? Just like uh, about uh, conduct, fan conduct, and stuff like. I, I, you know, I wonder if they're going to. But I mean, that's part of the fun. That's part of the fun when you're in the stands. And a guy goes to the line on the other team, and you're able to stand there and just yell your guts out and hope that he misses. And you know what? I got to tell you, having been the other on the other side, there's nothing better than making the free throw and in your head just thinking, all of you guys, sit your butts down. <laughs> you think you're exactly. doing something? Just, you know, put your finger to your lips or something. Just be quiet. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's, it's kind of a little out of control here. Well, and listen, here's here's another funny one too. And 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 if they're gonna you know treat the raptor like this, and and first of all, I would love to get the raptor on, but I don't. Th- I, I think he's only uttered one word ever, way back in the day, way back in the day. I think it was even ironically based on what we're talking about, wasn't it the Nike commercial with the Fun Police with Kevin yes. Garnett? That's the I, one. Yeah, so kind of ironic. And 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 Garnett. Like kind of in a dark alley or in a dark, you know, like outside a doorway or something, he walks up and and he's talking to somebody secretively, and and it turns out it's the raptor. And the ra- I don't I don't remember what word the raptor said, but he did say something, because I remember years ago, and I say this somewhat tongue in cheek, talking to the raptor, saying we want to get like the exclusive interview, we want to finally get you on a raptor post game show or on on the hoop show or one of our shows or something to do a feature interview, and all I all I got was the head shake and no, like nope nope the raptor won't speak, the raptor does not speak. I'm like, that's a lie. I've heard you speak. You spoke in a Nike ad. But I would love to find out, was it actually like, did security come over and actually move him into the corner? Or did he just go on his own because the Suns security or Suns bench, Suns officials asked him to? Because I'm sure there's part of it, you know, the the person inside the mask, inside the outfit going, oh, well, I'd, I guess I don't want to get myself in trouble with my bosses or with the Raptors or with the NBA, so I guess if somebody's telling me to move, I'll move. But was he actually doing anything wrong? Like, I mean, we've probably spent way more time talking about this than we probably should. But, like, that's his job, isn't it? Isn't your job as a mascot to distract the other team, be goofy on the floor, entertain the crowd? And, well, if there's no crowd, what are you supposed to do, just sit there? That's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. Are they now going to tell Jamal McGlure to stop talking when Jamal, big cat from the Raptor bench, every single time the opposing team is at the line, cat, you hear it go, shot! <laughs> right as the guy's about to release his shot. Are they going to tell Jamal now to stop talking? Like, you've heard that, right, Jonesy? All every the time. Every time the opposing team shoots in front of the Raptor bench, right as the guy's about to release the shot, you hear cat, shot! <laughs> And it works sometimes. Or, or, or what he'll do is he'll conveniently remind the guys on the lane uh, lined up for the free throw at that time to box out. You know, he'll yell, box yeah. out! Or he'll yell, <laughs> pinch! You know, like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just think if you're locked in, it, it, it works. And you, uh, you, your shot goes down and you don't... That, none of that stuff really impacts you. But... Uh, this is what it's come to. <laughs> yep. Mascot gate raging on. Uh, well, speaking of the game last night with the uh, Bulls and Nets, how about the Brooklyn Nets? 138 points against the Bulls as they blow out Chicago in Chicago. I should have said blow out Chicago in the Windy City. That would have been better. 138-112 the final. Um, we'll talk to Chuck Swirsky in a couple of moments' time about the uh, the game last night. 
Kevin Durant with 27, James Harden with 25. Um, it was a it was a fabulous effort, clearly from the Brooklyn Nets as they shoot 56 percent against the Bulls. And uh, you know, I don't know, Jonesy, are we are we starting to look now? Is this like the the one rivalry that we're going to be eyeballing over the course of the season, or are we going to look at when the dust settles? You know, is Chicago going to be maybe more down in that three, four, five range and not still battling in that one two slot? Um. Maybe. Um, I, I, I think they're legit, though, Chicago. I, I, think, I think they're legit. Um, you know, a lot of the... Uh, I mean, it was a tough night defensively last night when y- you look at, you know, almost a buck 40 on the scoreboard and, what, uh, 56% from the floor off the top of my head, something like that. But, I mean, you look at some of the other numbers, Chicago's legit defensively in terms of... I mean, they're ahead of Milwaukee. They're certainly ahead of Brooklyn. Um, you know, fewest points given up in the league. Uh, top top five, six, seven teams. Uh, sorry, in, in the East, top like five, six teams are all playoff teams, uh, with the exception of the Knicks. So I, I think Chicago's legit. Um, this might have just been a blip. Uh, this could have been Brooklyn being ready to play. Uh, knowing that it was a big game for them going up against a team that that is right there with them in the standings uh, I mean even if you're even if you're Chicago and you settle in at at, at two or three uh, and you're in that in that mix in that pack with with Brooklyn and Miami and Milwaukee and you're you know you're three four I, I just think with some of the um, some of the stuff that DeMar DeRozan's been through it's not. It's not going to bother him if he has to play on the road. It's not. I'm not saying they're going to mm-hmm. win, but he, he's not somebody that's going to get rattled by that. So, yeah, they're legit. They're legit. They. I mean, they're a top four. They are easily a top four. DeRozan last night in the last 19 points for the Bulls, seven of 16 from the floor, added four boards, 22 points for Zach Levine uh, against Chicago, losing. 138 112 we'll talk to chuck swirsky in a couple of moments time uh, about that game just want to quickly mention uh, a couple other ones that perhaps stood out last night and i, I you know i gotta mention this one at least well there's two i don't know about you jonesy there's two that stand out to me one cleveland goes into utah and beats yep. the jazz by 20 for fun like that doesn't happen beating the jazz in utah period doesn't happen a whole lot beating the jazz by 20 in their joint and how about the lakers Losing again to the Sacramento Kings, Sacramento winning 125-116. But, man, those are the ones that stood out to me outside of that Brooklyn-Chicago game. Yeah. Um, uh, Cleveland, man, I tell you, I just, I just, look, at, I just look, at, uh, look at the way they're playing. And, you know, we talked about, we had the game the other night, we talked about Phoenix playing kind of an old-school version of of a basketball in this era where everybody's shooting the three everybody big small trainers assistant coaches everybody's standing behind the line and just you know firing three-point shots because that's that's the way they play now well you know cleveland was 11 for 30 last night i I pulled up the box score here Mm -hmm. that's the suns we saw the other night they're 25th or 26th in three-point attempts per game at, tw- at, at 32 a game. 
So Cleveland, they're one of those teams. We're not going to take a lot, but what we take, we'll probably make, and we'll do it the other other way. They shoot 53 of 80, uh, 43 of 81 for 53 percent overall, and it's it's very much you know they the, the their front line is big with Markinen, Mobley, and Allen. Uh, you know Mobley's he's seven of nine last night. Does not take a three. 15 points, 10 rebounds. You know Jared Allen. 12 points, seven rebounds in in 30 minutes. Doesn't take a three. Like mm-hmm. they're just, it's like they've got certain guys that are allowed to take three, or they're okay with them taking threes. The rest of you guys, you know, we're gonna we're gonna play a different. You, you're gonna stick to roles, and we're gonna play a different way. And you know, we saw the same thing with Phoenix a couple nights ago. Look at that game with the Raptors, 99-95. Neither team got to 100 in this era of the NBA, and that's good defense. And and again, I I, I know for Phoenix, that's that's kind of the way they've played all season and then who knows what's going on with the Lakers they had a 15 point lead at one one point I think and the Kings run them down and lead a 40 point third quarter for the Kings a 40 yep. point third quarter and they win they win going away um seems like we've said that a lot this season about the Lakers who knows what's going on with the Lakers we'll talk a little bit more about them later I just want to quickly say too about that that Cleveland game Jonesy against Utah Darius Garland didn't shoot the ball well Three of 11, one of eight from distance, but still at a triple-double, 11, 10, and 15 in terms of points, rebounds, assists. And I think there's room for both. I think they both should ultimately make it. But if they don't, I start looking at Cleveland, and you're not going to be able to ignore them as a top 5-6 team in the conference. There needs to be a representative from the Cavaliers on the All-Star team. And I don't know that it's Jared Allen. I don't think it's Evan Mobley. And it's not Markinen. So by proxy, by elimination, it has to be Darius Garland. So if Garland's going to make the all-star team, how much does that hurt the chances for Fred Van Vliet? Because how guard-heavy would the East team ultimately be there if we're talking about two starters and then Garland and then potentially Van Vliet and maybe others as well? They're both deserving. I think they both should make it, but you can't deny or ignore what the Cavs are doing and the fact that thus the Cavs need to have a representative. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Chicago Bulls as well because you could certainly, certainly, I mean, it's a shoe in it's a given DeMar DeRozan's going to be there. I can't imagine that Zach Levine isn't as well. Should there be another one there as well? Like if we're talking about guards, would, would Alonzo Ball be in the mix for that as well? Eh, let's ask our next guest. That question and many more, as unfortunately the Bulls are coming off a loss last night, but they've still been playing some incredible basketball over the last couple of weeks, let alone the last couple of months, the first few months of the season, sitting atop the Eastern Conference in spite of the loss last night, the radio voice of the Chicago Bulls, Chuck Swirsky. Swirsky, great to chat with you. You don't want to talk Bears football? I mean, come on. (laughs) <laughs> hey, we can do that too because the only one of the three of us that has any juice left in the game is me as a Bills guy. Your Bears and Jonesy's Brownies are already golfing. So if you guys want to chat, go ahead. But I'm already prepping for Saturday night in the New England Patriots. All right. All right. Chuck, Chuck, let's do this. Let's leave Eric out of this for a while. You guys have a, a, a young, spry quarterback that you drafted. And I don't know if are yes. the Bears really – are the Bears – if the Bears aren't high on them – We'll dump. I'll dump Baker and take that kid because I liked him last year. I, I didn't know why people were down on him last year when he was coming out because Trevor Lawrence. Trevor, I'm like, hey man, this like this kid's pretty good. This kid's pretty good. So 
I don't know if the Bears have soured on him, but I have my hand in the air saying my brownies will, will, will take him if you are throwing him to the curb. No, 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 no. I mean, he's, he's the real deal, Paul. I mean, he's – in fact, I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell you something. I have never said this publicly ever, so you're going to get a scoop. I have, uh, in recent, recent, recent long-term memory, I can't recall the last time I bought a jersey because there's something about adults, you know, wearing a jersey. Yes, You know, yes. some people say, go ahead, you're a fan. You know, wear the jersey. And other people are saying, what? But anyway, I am on a wait list for a Justin Fields jersey, an authentic one. You can't get them. I mean, that's how popular he is in Chicago. And the kid has all the tools. I mean, he's yep. still, um, you know, still raw in certain areas. But I love his makeup. He's a wonderful young man. I mean, the way he conducts himself and what he's done already to entrench himself in the Chicagoland area. So, I mean, they're, they're, right now they've got so many issues going on with the Bears. But the good news is that Bill Poilian is uh, as a consultant for the team to the McCaskies, and I'm a huge Bill Poilian guy. I love the man. He knows what he's doing. So better days are ahead. But I'd rather have fields than Baker. Uh, yeah, well, would. all I have to do is look down at the draft and see who they who who the Browns passed on and see who went after Baker. Sometimes it's better not to have a top pick. Let other people take the other stuff and you can take what's left and sometimes that'll be good for you. I disagree with that. I'd rather have the top <laughs> pick. If you know what you're doing, anyway. yeah, take the top pick. If <laughs> well, you know what you're, know doing, what you're doing, take the yes. top pick. All right? And that's uh, that's a statement on my bumbling Browns for all hey, these years. Like, do, do you know, Paul, that uh, I remember I had a conversation with Brian Colangelo, and had Joe King Noah come out the year with Bargnani and Aldridge, I think, uh, I think the Raptors would have taken Joe King Noah, hmm. because you have to remember pick. that class with Florida, and where Noah was at before he elected to stay that last year in Gainesville, I think there would have been a real possibility of Joe King Noah going number one that year. Um, but, you know, Joe is really, really tight with that group and that class in Florida with Horford and Corey Brewer and Torian Green and that whole mix. And he loved college life. <laughs> Many so of us did. <laughs> Many of us love college life and not for the academics, Chuck. Um, I'm still trying to remember well, I mean, part listen, of my college you know, life. You have your own book at M.M. Robinson. The Eric Smith Guide to Success. Um, so anyway, so you want to talk Bulls, and it was not a pleasant game last night because it was well, a listen. big stage. It was on national TV. Yeah. And uh, Durant had 17 in the third quarter, and the Nets outscored the Bulls 39-19. And, you know, one thing about the Nets, I mean, they've been on national TV so much, and these players are, you know, it's just another game to them. But for the Bulls, other than DeMar, you know, Zach Levine really hasn't been on national TV much from day one since he was drafted by Minnesota because the Bulls haven't been very good. And even though they're in a big market, you still have to have something going. So they get that obligatory, you know, one or two national TV games a year. But this was a big stage last night with the number one and number two teams in the East and 
it didn't go well. And now the Bulls lost another player, not to COVID, but to an injury in Derek Jones Jr. And so, Paul, I think you need to dust off the kicks because I know you got a pipeline with Mark Eversley. I think he'll give you a 10-day. If I can, if I can take the prorated minimum, Chuck, wave my towel on the bench and do like Richie Cunningham, not actually wear a uniform underneath my sweats, my warmups, I'll be good. I'll be good. I'm, I'm good with a towel, man, and I can, I can trash talk with the best of them from the bench. <laughs> um, now, what is the ten day? Is that like sixty thousand, something like that? Yeah, I mean, for ten days, it's. It, Whatever it is, it's better than what we're doing now. It's better than what, better than any of us, what any of us are making now. <laughs> Chuck, I, I, Chuck, so anyway, I do want to say something. We'll no, be right I do want to hear from Baker yeah. Mayfield to ten days. Let me ask you this: Baker Chuck. Mayfield should be on a ten day. Anyway, uh, yes, a ten minute. Um, l- let me ask you this: you you bring up a point there, and I just had one of our our listeners hit me on Twitter saying. The Bulls game last night looked like three male Lions versus five hyenas. No contest. I'm not buying the Bulls as legit. If they get upset in the first round, would you be surprised? I know they don't have a whole lot of experience, but playoffs are a different animal. And I, I, I think it, when Billy Donovan has some time to prepare, if they're healthy, I, I, don't, I don't think the Chicago team is going to be an easy out, Chuck. Well, no, I mean, the, the team you saw last night, and again, you know, Brooklyn was without Joe Harris and LaMarcus Aldridge. But let me tell you something. You've seen Brooklyn, Paul and Eric. They're young players that they're developing. I mean, kid, the kid, Dayron Sharp, out of North Carolina, he started along with Edwards last night. Yeah. And, I mean, those are two kids with Cam Thomas. They're NBA players. This is not just, boy, you know what, we gotta we got to put a body on the floor and give them you know, 18 minutes and hope that the other three can carry it. These kids played, and they played well. I mean, Edwards is a terrific defensive player who gave Zach Levine all he could handle with his length, and Sharp, you know, posted up boots. And, I mean, you go right to Cam Thomas on a lot of clubs would be playing probably 20-plus minutes a night. So, I mean, you know, the Bulls were without, like, Javante Green, who's a terrific glue guy, not a household name, but... He plays very, very hard, gets after it. And, you know, no Alex Caruso missed his 10th straight game with a foot. Now he's into COVID. So, I mean, let's see what the rosters look like in mid-April before we start saying, well, I'm not sure about this matchup or how far can they go. But, I mean, clearly, I mean, Brooklyn with Kyrie back on the floor is a very, very, very dangerous team. And they're deep and – um you know, I think the loss of Brooke Lopez with Milwaukee has had a ripple effect. I mean, you know, I, I don't know when he's coming back. When you have back surgery, who knows? But I still think of all the teams, the the, the team that is going to be intriguing is Philly, what they do with Simmons. Because I don't know what they can get for Simmons, but, I mean, if they can add to that roster and if they can dump the salary of Tobias Harris, you know, Daryl Morey, is we know he's a maverick, and it's going to be very interesting. I, I don't think he plays this year, Chuck. Uh, Eric, I know you want to jump in, but really? I, I don't think Ben Simmons plays this year. I, I, could, I can see this standoff uh, going right to, you know, I, I can see it going the whole year. It may not, but if it, if it does, it wouldn't surprise me. 
Well, I mean, there there are probably a handful of teams that have put the toe in the water and kicked the tires with Philadelphia on some deals. As we get closer to the trade deadline, maybe that'll start to percolate uh, because I do think that going into this NBA season, I mean, can you right now, Eric and Paul, say that team is the team to beat in the NBA? I I, I can't. No. No. Uh, no. No. There isn't one team. There isn't one team. I mean, clearly Phoenix and Golden State, what they're doing, Chuck, uh, I would put them at the top of my list, but that even still then would be a two-team debate. And in the Eastern Conference, I think it's, you know, I think it's wide open at this point among the top, you know, five, six teams, uh, maybe even seven, eight teams, the way there's so much jockeying and, and, and positioning right now in the Eastern Conference especially. Here's the one thing I will say about yep. the East, fellas. Here's the one thing I will say about the East, and I'm watching them carefully. The Milwaukee Bucks... Uh, after suffering from, the, I think, a little bit of the trophy tour early in the season, are just, you know, they're just kind of hanging around. Um, they know that they've been to the top of the mountain before. They understand that uh, even if you slip halfway up the mountain, it's okay. You can, you can catch your step. There's still time. Mike Budenholzer is very calm. Like, he, he's, they lose games, and he's, you know, he's very matter-of-fact in his post-game newsers. It's just... I've, I've seen what it, it is, and he's not going to go crazy over, you know, losses in the regular season. Sure, you want to be playing well going in at the end, and maybe, you know, they're going to try and sharpen it later in the year. But here's a team to me that uh, coming off the championship and understanding that the regular season is, is just to get yourself in position, to get into position to win, uh, there's a team I would be, if they're healthy, you know, with the little, you know, the addition of Grayson Allen, they got good shooting around Giannis. There's a team I would still be very, very watchful of in the East. Well, yeah, I mean, they're the defending champs, so I get that, Paul. But, I mean, I, I think the loss of Lopez is huge um, in, in many layers. And I want to see what their roster looks like. I, I know they don't have a lot of wiggle room because uh, of the cap. Um, and, and so let's, let's see where this is headed. But I think like any team, it depends on health come mid April. And I mean, if you're banged up and you, and, and we saw this in the golden state Raptors series, if you're not a hundred percent, you're in trouble against really, really good competition. And so I think that, um, you know, Milwaukee obviously will be there. Um, I mean, I'd be shocked if they got knocked out early. But in the East, I think anything's possible. I mean, the, the Nets team I saw last night, remember the Nets flew from New York to Portland for that makeup game. Yeah. And they got beat. Harden didn't play. But now Kyrie played his third game, and I still think there's a possibility that Kyrie is going to buy in and either pay the fine or do something where he's going to play in New York City. And that, that Brooklyn team I saw last night, there was a statement game, and those are few and far between in the NBA. But last night, I think Brooklyn wanted to send the Bulls a message because the Bulls won the season series. But I think the, the Nets kind of said, okay, like, we have 21,000 here, and we're on national TV, and the Bulls are coming in feeling pretty good, you know, nine straight home wins. And they just, I mean, they took it to the Bulls in the third quarter. 
And I think Durant's the best player in the league, and he showed it. I don't know how you block that shot on pull-ups, on post-ups, on the fade. I, I think that is a near-impossible shot to block in the NBA. Chuck, we are up against the clock, but there is one question. I mean, listen, I've barely said five words in the last ten minutes, so hopefully my wife isn't listening. I know, Eric. Like, oh, What's th- wrong? That's well, you, uh, Paul told me to be quiet and let the two of you talk about the Bears and Browns, so I just sat back and kicked my feet up and let Jonesy take it. So I've just been chilling. Um, so I'm going to leave it with the hard-hitting question here, Chuck. I have it on pretty good authority yeah. that uh, Kevin Durant, multiple sources have confirmed that part of the reason why Durant went off last night and wanted to win that game so badly was not to send a message to the Bulls, but to send a message to Chuck Swirsky that I do not want to see you dancing after this game. So we must hey. win this game because I do not want to see the Swirsk dancing. Chuck, what hey. what what started this trend? This this Swirsky dancing after a Bulls the win? shuffle as as the terrible shuffle. as it is, as terrible as it is, I look forward to it. I want to see these it moves. Like it's it's awful, but it's great. It is really, really, really bad. Actually, this started last year during COVID. And we were so burned out on COVID. We were doing games from the basement of the United Center. And so when the club was on the road, you know, there'd be a hockey game going down the hall. You know, Bulls up 43-36, second quarter action. <laughs> oh, Blackhawks must have scored. Uh, anyway, so we were burned out. And so after a game, I just started dancing because the Bulls had won. And... uh and our engineer took a clip, and unbeknownst to me, and so they posted it. It went viral. I mean, it went crazy. And so we started doing it after wins. This season, I didn't do it because, okay, new chapter, new season, the whole bit. But then we started getting, like, emails at the, uh, at the front office and tweets saying, hey, you got to start dancing. So we did that. And I've had head coaches – I've had scouts. I've had actually players come to me and say, keep doing your thing because anytime you win an NBA game, it's a celebration. And you know what, fellas? It is a celebration. These coaches don't get enough credit for the time and effort and energy their staffs put in along with these players to come up with a W. This is not a video game where you have you know controls. This is tough. These are the greatest players in the world, and your and coaches are thinking in split seconds what to do. I mean, you, you heard about TC, right? About the G League? No, no I didn't. No. Okay. Well, I know he's. So I know he's son, working there, but if I don't know what I don't know what the story is. Well, the coach got tossed in a game late second quarter. And my son's lead assistant for the Memphis Hustle. He gives him the clipboard and says, it's yours. And TC took the clipboard, said, okay. They were down by 15. They took a one-point lead with two minutes to go. They lost by four. And he said, Dad, I I talked to him the following day. And he goes, you know, I couldn't sleep last night. You know, I was replaying the game in my brain. And so, I mean, this is the life of a coach. And, and by the way, you know, he, he would run plays for Freddie Gillespie, who is with Orlando. He was with your club, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Last yep, year, yeah. yeah. Yep. Big yeah. Freddie Gillespie fan. So, anyway, but these coaches, I mean, the job Nick Nurse is doing, and you mentioned Billy Donovan, Paul, 
Let me tell you what, Nick Nurse can flat out coach. Chuck, yeah. I love that we went from you dancing to talking about uh, Nick Nurse, Billy Donovan, head coaches, TC, Freddie Gillespie, and we got off your dancing, which is probably the best news of all, getting away from your dancing. But I, I do hope to see it again because yeah, I do you. hope to see the hey, Bulls hey, winning. Fred Van Fleet, Fred, Fred's my guy. He's going to the All-Star game. Forget Darius Garland. Right. All right, forget him. Swirsky says, forget Garland. It's the next great controversy in the NBA. Chuck Swirsky versus Darius Garland. Devin Booker versus the Raptors. No, no, no. But I would <laughs> pledge my guy from Rockford. Yeah, I love I Darius you. Garland. I, I mean, he you. is. I He's a you. terrific player. Cleveland's having a great year. you got to run. You're up against the clock. Goodbye. See ya. Thanks, Chuck. There <laughs> Thanks, is Chuck, Chuck Swirsky, the voice of the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, we are way late, but we'll take the break and come back with a lot more. Smith & Jones right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Thanks again to Chuck Swirsky for joining us. A familiar face and voice in this area. Chuck, of course, been in Chicago now for more than a decade, but another familiar face and voice for a long time here in Toronto, in the GTA, in Ontario, in Canada, and, man, around the globe now. We talk about from high school to college to the pros and now the head coach of Egypt's men's national basketball team, Roy Rana. Roy, coach, how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. It's great to hear some voices from home. <laughs> Roy, that's awesome, man. Good for you. Congratulations. Um, t- take us through the process. How, how did it happen? How did you become the head coach of the Egyptian national team? Well, you know, like most things, it happens through relationships and you know, I, I've had a, a fairly, you know, good history on the continent. You know, I've been in Nigeria with Maasai back in 2008. And I've taken multiple groups of Canadian kids to Senegal and, and been part of Seeds Academy. And then obviously we won the world championship in Cairo. And um, so, you know, I've touched uh, Africa and in, in the continent in a lot of different ways. And the uh, head of uh, the BA, the commissioner of the BAL now, a guy named Amadou Balafal, is a really good friend. Um, you know, I was engaging in a lot of different um, things that were going on there. And, you know, I just put it out there that, you know, hey, let's, you know, let me know if there's anything interesting. And sure enough, uh, Egypt came calling and asked me whether I'd be interested. And uh, after I did my research, uh, I was super excited and, and incredibly honored. It's a, it's a very unique and, and an amazing opportunity. You know, Roy, I, I saw the tweet that you sent out a couple of days into the new year, just uh, what a, a little more than a week ago, week and a half ago, honored to be a pharaoh. Um, it, it's Again, I'll send my congratulations to you as well. Um, you just went through the process of how it came together, but how, how is it going to look now for you in terms of you know, what the next step is and what the next steps are and whether it's having to move there permanently, temporarily, to, you know, getting your team together, training all of the steps involved now and in trying to put this program together and, and put it on the right path towards hopefully for you, a lot of success in the future. Yeah, well, you know what, it, it's not, I won't be living in, uh, in Egypt. Um, uh, I'll be going back and forth for the first three windows and, and uh, spending some time. The first one a little bit longer, I'll be there for about four or five weeks and just on the ground, really getting the lay of the land and getting my eyeballs and as many of the, you know, the players as I can. And I've done a lot of work uh, before we get there, obviously. Uh, you know, we can do so many things remotely now. But basically, the job will be one where I'm going back and forth until the third window in August, and then um, 
you know, depending on what happens with me next season, um, it will most likely continue to complement whatever I'm doing at that point in time. So uh, it's kind of a unique fit. It gives me an opportunity to kind of give. And, uh, you know, I, again, I, I just, you know, the talent is super intriguing. Uh, the federation is, is super impressive in the way it's been running, and the resources are really good. So I think we have a chance to do something pretty special. Roy, is it is it uh, a potential that you, um, in the back and forth, because their league is also seasonal, that maybe you spend some time on a bench in, in the BAL, um, become more familiar with, you know, some of the, the, the talent around there? Uh, it's it's always great scouting. You, you know, you're trying to get that team to advance yeah. up the world rankings. Uh, I, I know you're back and forth, and home is still on this side of the pond, but... Um, there's there there could be some really good opportunities over there for you. Well, I mean, I, I think to be honest with you, I think this is enough to keep my plate full right now. Um, obviously, I'm going to uh, stay connected to what's happening in the BAL and learn more and and uh, and watch. And you know, I think there'll be some BAL competitions in Egypt. Um, you know, during close closer to the second window. Um, so, you know, depending on how things work out, I'll, I'll try to expose myself as much as I can to the BAL and how that's growing. Uh, but I don't see myself sitting on a bench at any point in time, at least, you know, in the, in the near future in a, on a BAL team. Like that, that initially was how it started. There was maybe an opportunity for me to give a little bit to the BAL. But, um, you know, right now, I've, this, is, this is my focus, you know, try to get this program back. You know, it's been a traditional power in Africa. Uh, they've had a tremendous amount of success. Their, uh, their youth programs are African champions, so there's a tremendous amount of talent in the pipeline. They've, they've underachieved. And, uh, so this is not a rebuild. It's really about trying to bring them back up to a level where, where we're consistently you know, trying to get into World Cups and, and hopefully Olympics. You know, Roy, I was, I was uh, before I came to air today uh, to do the show with Jonesy, I, I did about a 20, 30-minute um, chat with a, a class uh, in Rexdale, a grade 7-8 class. Um, and then came on the the air to do the show. And one of the things I was saying to the kids and talking to them, and and listen, you and, and uh, Jonesy and I have been talking about this for twenty plus years. You can speak to it even more so from from a coach's standpoint too. You know, I was saying to these kids, you're not old enough to realize or to know that back in '95 when the Raptors first came in, the amount of people that were saying basketball is not going to fly here, people don't care about basketball, the Raptors will never stay, they're going to be gone. This is a hockey town. It said all the all the bogus BS that we've heard for years. From your perspective. Seeing where the game has brought you from high school to college to the pros to the national team to, to international to, to now head coach with Egypt, it's just incredible how we, when we talk about the impact of the NBA, the impact of the Raptors, the impact of basketball, we often focus on the players and maybe not enough on the coaches, the trainers, assistant coaches, team staff, broadcasters, all of the other jobs connected to the sport and how it has opened up so many doors for so many people and so many careers and livelihoods that didn't maybe exist 30, 40 years ago without a team and without the passion for the sport or at least the spotlight on the sport that it now exists for today's generations and for the future as well. No, absolutely. You know, and I, I think I've been pretty consistent in, in kind of bragging about Canadian coaches for many years and how, you know, we are, there's no question Canadian coaches are amongst the best in the world and, you know that youth sport level that I kind of kind of helped groom me, and also in the high school game with guys like Bob Mato and you know Terry Thompson and uh, John Petrasek, some of these older legends who were um, you know incredible coaches in their time. Like you know, I, I was well 
schools at, a, at an early part in my career, and, and it's given me lots of opportunity. And we have so many amazing coaches. I just hope that you know they realize that you know it's a global game, and, and much like the Australians and the Serbians and any of the American coaches who have branched out internationally to, to keep pursuing their passion, uh, those opportunities exist, and uh, they exist in a really impressive way. I mean, there's just so many great things out there in the game, and if you're willing to be adventurous and travel, then uh, you're going to have some amazing experiences. Well, Roy, I, you know, where I sit from my spot with Canada basketball, I just look at what's been done with the women's team and the new hire and, you know, how that's hopefully going to propel Canada a little bit further up, uh, you know, further up the rankings and maybe onto the podium. And I, I, I just, you know, Eric, people laugh because it's it's all about the timing too. And I think it, it, it the timing was terrific for you and, you know, the way you've been able to advance. Uh, coaching has become respected in Canada. I know that when I came out of the University of Western Ontario with my with my master's in sports psychology and I told people that I wanted to be a basketball coach in 1984 85 and they looked at me like I was from another planet and it's just it's so nice to see people like yourself sticking to it getting that opportunity and and making the most of it and look at what it's done for basketball in our country last night the New York Knicks the storied franchise they're led by a Canadian kid from from you know, from outside of Toronto, R.J. Barrett has a has a terrific game last night, and you know I look back, Roy, and you were, you know, not necessarily maybe the finished product because we're all a work in progress, but you had a lot to do with with helping R.J. Uh, you know get the basics and 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 propel forward in his career. Well, certainly R.J. and I shared an incredible experience together in Cairo, right? So it's kind of. Uh, it's it's a little bit of a you know I'm going to go back and revisit probably the same facility where we won the world championship and uh, I'm so happy for him you know I mean he uh, he takes his knocks you know he's got his doubters uh, but the one thing for sure about him is that he's very mentally tough he's resilient every time you think he may be going in a direction where you know he he may become a a role player or you know he flashes something where you you just see that stardom again and. Uh, you know, there's so many guys that we have now that aren't just playing in the NBA, but they're amongst the top of their game um, in a, in, at the highest level in the world, right? I mean, we just there's four or five players right now. And, you know, we talk about RJ, but, you know, how beautiful is it to see what Andrew Wiggins is now doing in Golden State and all the hits he's taken in his career and to be playing at such a high level and hopefully see him become an all-star. So, yeah, there's just so many great stories for Canadians. And, you know, that, I mean, I'm, I'm passionate and patriotic. I'm a Canadian, um, and, and that's not going to change. Uh, I just uh, get an opportunity to kind of, um, you know, work my craft um, somewhere else globally and give it to another country. Roy, to that point, and, and, and I hope I articulate this properly because I don't, I don't mean at all for this to sound, uh, you know, negative or have any negative context to it. Is it actually almost a better thing, to your point, about the recognition of players but also coaches and the amount of quality talent that's there? That it's not us sitting here saying, um, oh, do you, do you wish it was for Canada still or, or could it still be for Canada still? And it's no. It's, so, it's that you're so good and there is so much talent out there that other countries are starting to recognize that, hey, we'll pull from other places to coach our teams as opposed to you just thinking, well, it's, it's Canada or bust, whether it's the U19, whether it's the national team, it's, it's Canada or bust. No, man, we've got a lot to offer and we can do this thing and bring this thing globally. 
Well, I think it's a little bit of both for me personally, to be honest. Yeah, obviously, I love our country and I'd love to be, you know, coaching Canada again. But, you know, my time kind of, you know, ran its course for now. And, uh, you know, I gave it everything I could in, in the best way I could. And, uh, you know, it was, it was time for a new voice. And, and obviously, you know, you've, you've got one of the best coaches in the world, Nick Nurse. I mean, there's no question about that. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping the program rises to the place where, you know, Canada should now really be consistently meddling in world competitions, not, not even thinking about qualifying. That, that's kind of the bar I would set for the program. But certainly, you know what, if, if, uh, if opportunity knocks, I think as Canadian coaches, we have to be willing to stretch ourselves and go outside of our comfort zone and really try to do some things that are unique and build our, build our careers in different ways. I mean, that's the reality, right? The, the reality is it's, it's competitive business. You know, coaching at the highest level is not easy. And just because your, your passport you know, says you're Canadian doesn't necessarily guarantee you anything. So you have to continuously try to get better. And um, so hopefully, hopefully I'm back in Canada one day, and, you know, sitting on a bench representing our country. But uh, right now I'm super excited to just be growing uh, globally. You know, I had a great experience with Germany going to the Olympics in Tokyo. That was something that I, I treasure and I think has helped me get better. And now let's see what we can do with Egypt. Hey, Roy, we wish you all the best. Congratulations again on the gig, and we'll certainly be keeping a close eye. All the best to, to you and to the program and your family, and I'm sure we'll talk again at some point soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. Stay safe. I know it's, it's kind of crazy over there right now. Stay safe. Thanks, we'll Roy. We'll do. There is Roy Rana, head coach of uh, Egypt, uh, the men's national basketball team. And uh, certainly great news for Roy, and congratulations again goes out to him. Uh, folks, if you like Smith & Jones, make sure you to, uh, to subscribe to our podcast on uh, Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review as well.